Good morning. What's up, everybody? We're back. You're listening to Avoiding the Puddle. My name is Eris, and I'm here as usual with MYK. What's up, Mike? What's up, Eris? How you doing, dude? I'm doing good. Just came back from uh, West Coast Warzone this weekend. Yeah, I know. Both of us were there. I actually, there was so much stuff that went down that weekend. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, but I actually am in huge regret because I wasn't there for the Clockwork versus Neo money. Oh motion. yes. Hey, you were there, right? <laughs> Yes, I was. <laughs> I watched the whole thing on the stream, and from the looks of it, it was probably the hypest event that anyone's been to in a long time. Correct? Oh yeah, I haven't been to. I've never seen a high stake uh, Marvel or any money match before like that in a while. So, you yeah, know? I, I I think the last one I saw was uh, Duck versus Samford. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, it was. It looked amazing. I was at the edge of my seat and. You know, of course, they had a lot of uh, cool uh, things happen as far as the, t- as the tournament goes. Um, you know, Tekken didn't have a huge turnout, unfortunately, but that, that's mostly because this is this was primarily a uh, Capcom Street Fighter tournament. But the Street Fighter tournament was very interesting because that new guy from where was he from? Ohio or Utah? Utah, that's right, yeah. Utah. He did really well, and Gustavo. That was yeah. that was very amazing because. It looked like Ricky Ortiz was just going to blow him out because he got pissed off and he was getting all heated. And then I think he won like five games in a row with at least two perfects. And it was just looking really bad. But Gustavo, whoever he is, he pulled through and he took Yeah, well, I was talking to uh, Ed Ma about it. And then I was like, man, Ricky's like on fire right now. Maybe Gustavo should take a break. And then uh, it was like, maybe, yeah, maybe let Ricky cool down a little. But, uh, I don't know. He didn't take a break. Just went right into it and won two straight. Almost clutched it out for the final, but it went down to the last round. So yep. that was very entertaining. And um, you know, going back to the Marvel match, uh, watching that because you know I don't. Not many people know, but Clockwork and I go way back. He was actually one of the first people who kind of like uh, talked to me when I started going to Southern Hills Golfland. And you know, he's a really cool guy. And I was the thing was going into this money match. There was like it, I had the feeling of you know I really want Clockwork to win because he's old school he's very smart and he's very dedicated to his team which is Strider Doom Sentinel mm-hmm. and he's just like he has this like heart you know he has the heart of a lion and you know going into the money match I thought to myself I really want him to win but it's really like impossible like I wouldn't bet on it because. Just this new Neo guy is so good. Everyone says he's very good. He's always playing. He's on top of his shit. So once I started watching, and everyone was so hype and yelling and screaming and talking shit and stuff, um, you know, Clockwork lost the first game, but all of a sudden started to win. He was like 4-2 on him at one yeah, point. He, he went up. Uh, I don't remember the exact numbers, but he was up, and it started to look like, you know, Clockwork can win this. And people were chanting Frio, and like you know all the shit talk, the Marvel hype. You know what's funny? When uh, as soon as I noticed something like as soon as they started saying Frio, 
either it got uh, Neo really pissed or it just jinxed him for a clockwork. But every time they said Frio, he uh, Neo would win that game, and I was like, man, maybe she should stop chanting that. Huh, I don't know. I don't know what uh, you know. There there have been many theories on psychologically how to deal with uh, people talking shit in the crowd, and there are players out there who feed off feed off it. it yep. Yeah, they feed off of it, and um, you know, I don't know about that, but. The reason I bring the main reason I bring this uh, money matchup is because there is a kind of a myth in the fighting game community that um, as you age, as you get older, your reflexes get weaker, and you're no longer at a certain point which has not been determined. At a certain point, you reach this age where you are no longer able to compete. Now, I've heard many great players out there say this. Uh, I mean, as far back as Jeff Schaefer from, you know, uh, Street Fighter Champion Edition, Hyper Fighting Days, uh, to even people that play Tekken Tag, and, you know, they, they've retired, and, you know, they, they say that, you know, you get older, and it's kind of this myth that, you know, you, your reflexes get worse, and you can't compete. Now, I personally do not agree with this, and there's really no way to be 100% sure as of right now, because fighting games as a whole are too new. We really are the first generation of fighting game players. So there's really no way to know until another at least 10 or 20 years. To, to, the, to the average listener, you may think like, okay, the generations are separated by maybe decade or maybe game, you know, like... Uh, depending on what game you began in Street Fighter 2, Street Fighter 3, or whatever. But what I mean is fighting game generation, as in you're not going to see any 50, 55-year-old fighting game, competitive fighting game players that have been playing for the last 30 years because it hasn't been happening for the last 30 years. So there's no way to know if it's impossible to be at that age, you know, 50 years old or whatever, and be able to compete. Now, um, a couple of the factors that I wanted to bring up are, you know, a lot of the people that retire and say, oh, you know, like, for example, Jeff Schaefer, who I'm a big fan of, uh, but he says, oh, you know, my reflexes aren't as fast as they used to be, but my strategies and my psychology are as good as ever, but I just can't compete because all these kids these days have faster reflexes than I do. Now, on that topic... I firmly believe that just like any other skill, reflexes can be improved on. And that is a total excuse. You can work on reflexes and improve them no matter what age you're at. And as you were telling me, Daigo, who is in his late 20s, what, what did he, what, he was in an interview recently, right? And, well, well, not, it wasn't recently. It was a written interview, I believe. Uh, it, was a, it was like a while ago when a console version of Super Street Fighter 4 came out, and he said... I think someone asked him, it's like, you know, you're reaching your 30s now, and how do you, you know, how do you feel that uh, your skills are getting? Because, uh, you know, you know, with that myth, people believe that at 30, all of a sudden you drop off the map for no reason. <laughs> but uh, he was saying that he believes that my, his reflexes have never been better. They've been getting better and better because he's been playing so much lately. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's something that everyone has to really think about because. The truth, now I'm not, um, you know, I don't know, I haven't done any research or any surveys or anything, but what I would assume is that the truth behind people getting older and then not being able to compete is that they, that it, it's a few factors. 
one of which is I think that once you get older, all of the responsibilities that you ha- that come with getting older make it so that you can't dedicate as much time to fighting games as you could when you were younger. And this, you know, this goes with life in general. When it, you know, I think it's uh, a lot to do with mental stamina as well. Like yeah, that that's another issue too. Um, when you get older, naturally your interests change, just like you know anything else. And even if you still do like fighting games, you may be interested in something not as cool, like you know whatever golf or bowling or whatever. And you you know you no longer have the drive to compete. You know, it's not necessarily your reflexes. Now, this is my theory, but it's not necessarily your reflexes. It's it's your drive to improve on your reflexes. What are your thoughts on that, Mike? Um, yeah, I believe it's true. I mean, I I agree with it, but uh Yeah, it's, I believe it's uh mainly like mental stamina, let's say they're getting older, they have more responsibilities and it's like you know, they, you know, a lot of people at 30s, you know, they put on a lot of weight, they start getting out of shape, you know, it's like, it, it could be a lot of things, man. Like, yeah, really, there are, this is the thing, this is why I feel like this is a very three-dimensional topic to cover, because there are so many factors and variables that could alter, you know, someone's ability to stay on top as a top-level fighting game player. You know, they can't fucking stick around for a tournament for eight hours anymore because they just, you know, get tired or whatever, you know? Yeah. It's like, that's, that could be another factor. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, so many things from job to kids to wife to, you know, responsibilities to, you know, all these things out there that could change uh, the reason why you're not able to compete. Now, uh, the thing is that, okay... Off the top of my head, the oldest, in terms of age, uh, fighting game players that are succeeding right now that I can think of, I would say, like, Alex Valle, you know, he's been playing since before I was born, probably, and, you know, he's still one of the top Street Fighter players in the country, and, you know, I'm not sure about, you know, his personal life, I don't think he's married, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't have any kids, at least legitimate ones, (laughs) you know, I, I mean, you know, he... He's on top. He's up there. And I don't know how much work he puts into it, but he's getting old. You know, he's getting up there. And there are uh, several other players. Like, even Rip, you know, the Tekken player, he, uh, he's, I think, 28. You know, 28, 29, somewhere around there, yeah. This game, this, this last two years, is without a doubt the best he has ever done in any fighting game. Without a doubt. So, in his case, you would say that he's reaching his prime... At the age of 28, which is, it, it goes against the, what you would think makes sense in that, uh, if you were following that myth. Now, I have a theory on why this happens. Why Alex Valle is able to uh, you know, stay on top. Why there are certain players out there, like Daigo, that are able to, despite the fact that they're getting old and maybe they aren't able to play eight hours a day like they used to, or whatever, they're able to stay on top. The, the reason I think for that is that experience is much more important than reflex. And um, this Just being in that situation like over and over, exactly. knowing exactly what to do. You know? And I don't, I don't just mean um, experience in the game. That is very important as well. But what I also mean is experience in a high-level tournament situation. 
And we've talked about tournament uh, nerves and stuff in the past, but what you will notice when you watch people like Daigo or Alex Valle or other other players who have been playing for you know uh, up to a decade um, or more, you will notice that when they're playing at uh, on the big screen or at Evo or wherever, they're just completely focused and they're able to do that Daigo full parry shit. You know, that's an excellent example of how. You know, it's not the reflexes that are as important as the experience. So let's say that all those people out there that, like Jeff Schaefer, that think as you get older, your experience, uh, I'm sorry, your uh, reflexes get weaker. Let's say that's true. In my opinion, the experience that you gain over the years, it really makes up for that lack of reflex tenfold. Like, you don't really even need the sharpest reflexes in the world when you have experience and the other person you're playing against does not have as much experience as you. I mean, what are your thoughts on that, Mike? Yeah, I definitely agree on that. I mean, some people, like the newer kids, they get on stage and they think it's just all fun and games and they're just fucking around up there. Like, I was at West Coast Warzone this weekend and then I heard some like guy going on the stage for the first time because I was standing right next to the stage and then he was saying like his friend was telling him oh dude you get to play on the stage now you gotta hit him with a random ultra it's like really dude yeah exactly you're yeah. really that retarded and he's like this is this is a fucking tournament you know he's like, at least try to win don't try to fuck around you know yeah you're not getting better fucking around so and and the other thing too is that uh if you're if you're just gonna be playing games that way you know you're not getting any experience and it doesn't matter how good your reflexes are because you're just throwing away matches at that point yeah it, that's absolutely absolutely true you bring up a very good point and that is how to acquire this experience um people may think that oh okay i went up on the stage and you know i got my ass kicked by whoever you know some expert level player and now i have some experience on the stage that is not true. <laughs> that is totally not true. You, you have to... What happens when you're going on the stage or when you make a top eight or when you're on the stream even and it's like a high-profile match, what happens is this is only an opportunity to get experience. It's not experience in itself. You, the, the door has been opened for you to walk into this situation where you can obtain high-level, high-profile experience to put under your belt and it's very easy to let this go by fucking up or getting nervous or not paying attention or whatever you have to v pay very close attention to what's happening so that even if you lose you learn from this situation and you actually gain true experience not just like a memory of oh you know I hit him with a random uppercut or absolutely in, in, in 2007 I made it to top eight, and I got my ass kicked in top eight at Evo, and whatever. That's my memory. They, who gives a fuck about memories? What's important is experience that you retain and you use in the future. Yeah, there's a, there's a interesting thing that a, a Tekken player in the scene does, like um, Crow from Texas. Whenever he's playing on stage, he always has that T-shirt. You know, it's like a signature now, but it's like he's he puts on that t-shirt over his head so it blocks out everything so he only sees the tv so he's just 100 percent concentrated on the tv yeah it's kind of like uh you know giving himself tunnel vision he wants i mean i presume i've never asked him about it but i presume that 
he's trying to just focus exactly on what he's seeing, and it's like tunnel vision. Yeah, block and, out every other bullshit that's unnecessary. Yeah, and, you know, that is his personal method, and that may not be the best method. Like, for example, earlier we were talking about people who feed off of the crowd. I've heard uh, Justin Wong say that when people are talking shit to him in the crowd, it just makes him even angrier. And if you watch the, the grand finals of West Coast Warzone for Super Street Fighter 4, you can see that Ricky Ortiz just gets furious. I mean, you can see it in his face. He gets furious, and then he turns it up and starts getting perfects on this guy. Now, um, I don't know if that was the crowd that made him angry or not, but Ricky has been in that position so many times that even though he started to win, and, like, the way he was winning was aggression and rushdown and, you know, just, like, totally not giving this guy any credit and showing how good he is, but when Gustavo started to come back and regained his composure, if you watch those matches carefully, and I'm sure they will be available to view uh, very soon, if not already. If you watch those matches uh, carefully, Ricky Ortiz, he puts the brakes on big time. He stops being super aggressive with the dive kicks, and he decides, okay, you know, I already squeezed out all these rounds from me being angry and from this guy being uh, inexperienced, but this guy's regained his composure. So now I need to put the brakes on, relax, and use my experience to win this grand finals. I mean, I guarantee you, Ricky was way less nervous than Gustavo was. I mean, uh, it's just, it's so important to, when you enter a situation like uh, any, any high-profile match, whether it's at EVO or even if it's, you know, at a local tournament where you're playing against someone very good, you don't throw away that opportunity to gain experience because if you're planning on playing fighting games for a long time, like the way I have and the way you have, if you're planning on um, playing fighting games for as long as you and I, Mike, you have to just get the experience. And, you know, it's a popular thing uh, to say, oh, you know, leveled up, or oh, this guy's leveled up a lot. And it really is true. I mean, you know, you kind of have to consider it as, like, you're playing a role-playing game. And, you know, you're filling that fucking meter, dude, and you're going to get to the next level. You know, and, and that's really what, how you have to see it. And if you lose those opportunities and you just fuck around, like you said, those random dudes were like, you got to do a random ultra, you know, not, not paying attention to what's important, they yeah. just miss that opportunity. You know, you could have gotten that experience added to your, you know, gauge or experience bar or whatever, but you dropped it and you missed the opportunity. And yeah, you get demoted a level. <laughs> in a sense, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> it, it seems like, you know, it seems kind of silly, but... It's, it's really important to think about this stuff, and this kind of, going back to the original topic of, um, you know, aging and losing reflexes, I think people who think that, that, people who think that's true, and people who think that they're too old to compete, like Jeff Schaefer, I don't think they put enough weight into their experience, because uh, if you really have uh, taken all of those... Um, Losses, wins, everything. Ex exactly. If you take all of those and put them together, no amount of reflex is going to take uh, the place of that. Because you can work on reflexes by yourself. There are exercises. Yep. yep. Improve your reflexes. There are throw break trainers. There are, 
you know, overhead trainers. There are all kinds of things available now. And then there are other, you know, types of reflex trainers, too, you know, not for fighting games. There are many different ways to train your reflexes. Now, yeah, this sounds kind of silly, but uh, I was playing Step Mania for a little while. It's like a keyboard uh, DDR kind of game. You kind of see the arrows and you kind of match it, right? I was playing that to try to improve my reflexes on Tekken or other fighting games as well. So it's like, you know, there's other practices out there. So. Absolutely. And they're not always going to be video game related. They may be, you know, just some internet game. I mean, there are several ways to... Or you could try doing the knife through your fingers thing. <laughs> yeah, right. If you're... In... Yeah, you can... I, I forget what that game's called. Ah, oh, man, I forgot what that game's called. But, um... Yeah. Shout-outs to Full Throttle, OG uh, PC game where you... That was a mini game. Anyway... <laughs> Um, so, what, what I was trying to say is that, um, you know, that uh, stuff you can do to improve your reflexes exists, but there is not some game or some internet program that can give you tournament experience in a top eight <laughs> people. Yeah. But that shit does not exist. That's why you gotta go out to tournaments, have to play, you know, take everything seriously, not, you know, fuck around, I gotta hit them with this kind of bullshit. Yeah, know? exactly. There is no rips, you know, evil top eight trainer. You know, there is no Noodles' uh, you know, top eight when you're nervous trainer, okay? So it's really important to, uh, and, you know, I, I don't want to seem like um, I'm a big fan of Jeff Schaefer's, and I really like listening to him speak about strategy, but I couldn't disagree with him and anyone else who, uh, who believes that with age you are unable to compete. I couldn't disagree with that more because... That because of that experience, I mean, you, you cannot learn it. There is no way to learn it on your own. It's something that comes with time. And it's like, you know, I mean, there are so many examples I could come up with. Even movies or characters or, you know, whatever out there. You know, you never see some fucking brand new cowboy in an old western fucking up Clint Eastwood. <laughs> Clint Eastwood has killed like hundreds of dudes. That's why he's so dope. He started out as a so as the quickest straw, man. Exactly. You know, he started out as a scrub, and after killing hundreds of dudes, now he's legit. So, you know, it, you know, this is one thing that I really wanted to stress and emphasize that even if you're getting older and you feel like, oh, I'm getting older, my reflexes are weak. You know, I I totally think that's bullshit. And, um, you know, it's still early. Fighting games have been around for, you know, at most 20 years or so. And competitive fighting games are still new. See me in about 20 years, and, you know, if we've discovered scientifically that it is impossible for someone to play fighting games at a high level, competitive level, past the age of whatever, 35, 40, 50, then, you know, maybe I'll do another podcast in the year 20-whatever, fucking 30, you know, <laughs> and we'll see, uh, we'll talk about that. But for now... I think it's unacceptable to lose faith in your ability to compete and win uh, just because of your age. That is unacceptable, and I don't like to hear about that shit. And there are several. Take your pick. You pick the game. You pick the player. There are a shitload of people out there that are proving me right and proving the opposition wrong. So, you know, you got to keep trying, man. That's that's pretty much the the topic I wanted to cover today, and... The message I wanted to send out because, you know, I'm getting up there too. I'm 26 years old now, and you know, I feel like if I was, if I put the correct amount of time in, I could, I could reach any level that I wanted to. 
You know, it's there's nothing holding me back. Yeah, it's just all the environment and the time you put into the game that I think uh, determines how good of a player you become. Exactly. Everything can be learned. Every skill can be learned. Um, you know, a quick story, you know, it's kind of related in a sense. Uh, when I first started playing Tekken, back in, you know, the tag Tekken 4 days, um, I met Cynic. Now, I always talk shit about Cynic because it's very fun to talk shit about Cynic. But um, when I met him, he had been playing Tekken Tag for a while already, and he showed me how to wave dash. And he was wave dashing, and it was very crisp and very fast, and I tried it, and I was like, this is impossible. Human beings cannot do this shit. It doesn't make sense. How is this fucking guy, who's an idiot, wave dashing like this? And I just kept on thinking, this. I just can't do it. It's like, it's not meant for me to do. My hands cannot do this. And you know what? After a while, after practicing, it just clicked. And at that moment in my life, I realized that anything can be learned by anyone. Yeah, it just some people just take longer than others, and some people don't even put time into it at all. They're just like, oh, it's too hard. I can't do it. I got to quit. You know, that's the main thing. And then, speaking of which, there's a new game coming out, Marvel 3, next month, and... A lot of players are hoping to switch over to it and thinking that it's a, oh it's the next 2D game. I could play Street Fighter decently. Maybe I could p- play, pick up Marvel decently. But it's like that's a lot. That's a lot of uh, that's the same mentality that a lot of Street Fighter players went into Tekken with. It's like oh I could pick this up. It's like uh, as soon as it comes out to console I'll play it. But oh it's too hard. Okay I'm gonna drop it. I'll still play Street Fighter. And now I'm just like okay now we'll go play Marvel now because it's still 2D. But. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's another issue um, that actually um, I, I totally forgot to uh, mention it. But today's guest is uh, Mr. LD Maxi, a.k.a. Maximilian. And the fact that you brought that up is interesting because later on in the podcast, we talked to Maximilian and I asked him about the Korean arcade culture and why Koreans, um, you know, play... Tekken rather than playing the other games and stay tuned for the answers to those questions because it's a very interesting interview and he kind of gives us a insight into the Korean culture and all that stuff and that what you just said about Marvel is very true many people who tried Tekken 6 were intimidated by the number of moves and the number of characters and just the general difficulty of playing the game and I feel like um, the only difference between Marvel versus Capcom 3 as from what I can tell, and I'm using Marvel 2 as a basis for this statement, but the only difference is that at the entry level of those games, it's easy to just have fun. It's easy to just fucking pick Spider-Man and do Maximum Spider, and be like, this is dope, I'm having a great time. But in Tekken, I'd say it's just as hard as maybe Marvel 2 or possibly Marvel 3, but it's not as easy to have fun in Tekken, because it takes... A lot more work to get to the proficiency level where you're able to kind of hold your own and enjoy the the merits of Tekken. And there are many merits of Tekken that are not apparent in any other fighting game. So, I mean, that is kind of something that maybe the developers of Tekken might want to look into to maybe make the game more um, satisfying and fun at early stages of the your development as a Tekken player. Because I totally think that Marvel has that, um, you know. Well, all these 2D games have like super moves and like you know ultras and shit that's all flashy. 
that really draw in the crowd. But you know, Tekken is just all bare bones. You know, it's like it's just straight up whatever normal moves hit this, hit that. You know, there's juggles here and there, but it's like they're never gonna land it against good players because they don't know how to. You know. Yeah, I think um, you know, I don't know if that's good or bad. It's very hard to tell, and it's something that's very uh, highly based on opinion and it's subjective. But um, as far as numbers go, you know, the bottom line is people like fucking flashy lights, and they like Wolverine, and they like, you know, Ultras and all that stuff. So I'm not necessarily saying that Tekken should adopt Ultras or should do anything like that, but... Oh, no. <laughs> you, know, you never know, but all I'm saying is that, you know, Tekken has a lot of depth to it, and, uh, you know, Marvel also has a lot of depth to it, but... Marvel's fun factor is much more easily accessible than Tekken's. And it's going to be very interesting to see. You know, it's kind of interesting, too, that we bring uh, flashiness up. Because now that we're looking at it, before, when you see Tekken, you know, you s nothing, you know, they're just moving around. People just look like, oh, they're just dancing. They don't know what they're doing. And they're just throwing out normals here and there. But now, it seems like in Tekken Tag 2, they kind of push that a little farther because it's like tag throws and they look hype as hell so it's like oh shit that looks like uh you know two character pile driver that's fucking sick you know yeah i know that's actually a good point that i never thought of maybe that that you know the new tag throws and the visual appeal of the three characters on the screen at the same time could be tekken or namco's answer to ultras so maybe that's the case um I'm not, uh, I, I don't know, and, you know, we'll, we'll know soon. There's a lot of new information. By the way, Yoshi looks fucking sick. In the new, they, they released new uh, uh, images of, you know, Tekken Tag 2 on Famitsu, and, man, Yoshi looks amazing. I almost am, like, scared, because I'm really going to want to play that character, because he looks so badass, but <laughs> I'm afraid to see what they're going to do with the character, you know, so... I'm looking forward to finding more about that, um, and, you know, man, there's there's just so many uh, different topics to talk about uh, when it comes to these new games, but I, instead of speculating, I really want to wait and see how they are, and see how they're received by the community. If, um, if Marvel comes out, and it's kind of received in a way where, oh, this is a lot harder than I thought it was, and I don't want to play it anymore the way Tekken was, I will be very surprised. Because I feel, I actually have a bet with uh, Rip that uh, the next evolution, which will have Marvel vs. Capcom 3, is going to pull at least 1,000 players for Marvel. And he thinks it's not going to pull that many. So, you know, we'll see. I think that game is going to be very popular just because of the broad um, audience that it, it uh, caters to. And so, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. I'm excited about it. I know you are, Mike. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it, we have a bigger fan base for Marvel now because of Marvel itself. Because uh, a lot of people want to play with all these Marvel characters and stuff like that. So, a lot of comic book people will probably be coming over, too. So. Absolutely. There are so many people out there that are just going to be interested in that game. And it's coming very soon. I think, what is it, February uh, 15th? Uh, I think it's 18th or something like that. Yeah. yeah, it's just a couple days after Valentine's Day, guys, so be good. And your friends <laughs> might hook you up with some... Uh... I already got that shit online. <laughs> yeah, I'm working on it myself, to be honest. Um, But, you know, 
like I said, we're excited. There's a lot of good fighting games coming out, and, you know, as far as tournaments go, you got to just get out there and not just put yourself in situations where you could get experience, but actually take those situations and use them to their fullest potential and really get all the experience you can out of them uh, just by having the right state of mind and psychologically just being ready uh, for the next tournament. i gotta, I got to stress that big time. Um, you know, unless you have anything else to add, Mike, uh, we can move on to the interview with Mr. LD Maxi um, from Korea. Anything else uh, you want to add, Mike? No, I think that pretty much covers everything for today. All right, guys. So we're going to move on to that uh, interview. Uh, really quick, I just wanted to let everyone know that uh, we're going to be giving away a bunch of stuff on the website. So keep your eyes on avoidingthepuddle.com, and we got a ton of shit to give away. So you know we're we're gonna we're gonna be working on that very soon. All right, guys, here comes LD Max. All right, everybody, I'm very pleased to welcome on a special guest from across the planet today, Mr. Maxi. The Dark Knight of the Tekken community is on the podcast today. How you doing, Maxi? Hey, man. Thanks for letting me on the show. Absolutely, man. I'm very pleased to have you on. Now, um, the, the interesting thing about you, at least in my eyes, is that you've been such a huge entity in the Tekken community. Um, kind of what you've done is kind of bridged the gap between the rest of the world and the Korean Tekken scene. Uh, you've had your YouTube channel up, and you've been very active on Tekken Zaibatsu um, with translating and all this stuff and you know it's kind of interesting that not a lot of people know what you're all about and know your story so uh, the, the first thing I want to get into is what the fuck is the deal man I mean uh, from what I hear you're a Hispanic guy from Sweden who moved to Korea to teach English it sounds like the craziest story ever tell me how you got uh, into Tekken and how you made your way to Korea Okay, so uh, how I got into Tekken, that was a long time ago actually, like uh, end of Tekken 3, Tekken Tag. Mm -hmm. um, at the time I was playing uh, Magic the Gathering, like a card game. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, that was really fun, but uh, I don't know, I kind of missed that uh, real-time strategy aspect of the game, you know. So I just saw, I saw Tekken one day and I completely fell in love with it. And yeah, I've been been either playing or been involved in the scene ever since. Now this is in, this is where? This is in Sweden? In Sweden, right. Okay, okay. Yeah, my, my parents are from South America. Okay, interesting. Yeah, and um, so, well, like 2007, a friend of mine asked if I wanted to go to Japan, actually. Okay. Yeah, prior to that, we'd been, we'd been traveling a lot for tournaments and, yeah, stuff like that. So, I don't know, I had a lot of free time and, and, um, Actually, made some made enough money to uh, to travel. So, yeah, I went to Japan and I completely love it. Like, I fell in love with Asia, okay. and after that, I got more interested and and wanted to see uh, wanted to see Korea as well. Actually, because I I already had some uh, friends here from uh, yeah online online friends, you know. In Korea, right? You um, maybe you've heard of uh, Duck Two Thousand. I have heard of Duck Two Thousand. Very cool. Okay. Yeah. So. He actually came to Sweden a couple of years ago. His uh, his dad is um, is an ambassador. Really? So, yeah. So he was here. He was in Sweden like two summers or something. And yeah, we had a lot of fun playing Tekken Tag actually. 
cool. For those of uh, the, for those people who are listening who don't know, Duck 2000 is actually responsible for a lot of the translating that uh, has been done in past Tekkens when, like, you know, a beta version comes out or there's a uh, major location test or anything. You know, he does a lot of translating of move lists and all kinds of stuff for the community. He's a really big entity uh, in the community. Anyway, go ahead. Right, and uh, it should also be mentioned that uh, he's one of the founders of Tekken Central. That is true. Which is, uh, like, it's like the equivalent of uh, Saibatsu, but for Korea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, I don't know. It was always in the back of my mind to uh, to kind of visit Korea after that, after hearing his stories and uh, yeah, and also having seen so many vids and and uh, all that stuff. So uh, I think it was 2008, two thousand eight, two two thousand nine. Yeah, two thousand nine. Uh, I decided to uh, come here for vacation, like a month or three weeks, something like that, okay. just to you know check out the check it out. Cause since I I really liked the Japan, I thought. Well, maybe Korea will be as fun, you know. So I I came here and to my surprise it was like <clears throat> I don't know, it's just hard to describe. It's it was like twice as fun or three times as fun as as Japan. So at that point I was like I was I was close to not not coming back actually, like skipping my my um my uh return ticket, you know, my flight home. Yes. Just like Calling my boss and quitting, qu- quitting over the phone. That's pretty much. That's that's how funny it was. <laughs> wow. So after that, I went. I went back home and, yeah, like started, like really investigating how I can go to Korea and and stay there a long time. You know. Interesting. So uh, at this yeah. point, how old were you? This is a year ago. I was twenty, twenty-five. Okay. Twenty-six. So, being from Sweden, you know, we have a, a pretty good welfare welfare system. So. And I was in a special situation as well because I was over 25 and I had uh, uh, worked priorly. So they offer, my, you know, my government offers uh, money for studying if you if you meet those conditions. Very they offer uh, extra money, you know. So I was counting the numbers and I was like, yeah, this is totally possible. Like I, I'd earn enough to uh, to stay here and, and study. So I didn't I didn't come here to uh, to teach English. That's something that that just happened along the way to make some extra money. So then I quit my job and got everything ready and yeah packed my bags and initially initially I thought well maybe I'll I'll come here and stay a few months I'll fail my studies and have to go back but it'll be okay so but I came here and I, I thought I I wouldn't be so motivated to study you know like living a minute from green arcade and, but it just motivated me more to to really get uh, good enough grades you know so I can keep getting the money so I can stay here now, hold on, let me let me stop you right there because I'm curious. How the hell did you learn how to speak Korean? No, I I can't speak Korean. <laughs> so you can't speak Korean at all? I can't, I can't speak for shit. Can't say anything. <laughs> I, I can I can I can order more alcohol. That's it. Wait a minute. <laughs> okay. See, this is exactly what I'm talking about because you're such a big entity in the community, and I don't know a goddamn thing about you. I mean, you don't speak Korean, and you live in Korea. Isn't that kind of difficult? Mm, oh, kind of, but like this culture, it's more more of um, um, body language than you know verbal communication. Really? Like if you if you ask someone something, they'll just give you the polite answer regardless of what they really think. You know, so <laughs> it doesn't really matter. But yeah, I I know. Uh, uh, of course, it would help me a lot to learn Korean, and that that was something I wanted to do, and 
and uh, but with all my studies and like I told you, I, I uh, I'm really putting them uh, on the top of, top of my priority list. I need to uh, uh, I need to put Korean uh, lower on on the priority list and and uh, there uh, there's just not not enough time for me to practice it. Yeah. Another big another big aspect of it is when I go to Green, um, a lot of the people. They are very interested in, in talking to me and very interested in also trying out their English. Ah, okay. So, like, uh, if I if I hang out with people, I, I ask them some Korean. Like, they help me out when I ask, but usually we we just talk English. Okay. Now, uh, for, first of all, for those of the people listening who don't know what Green Arcade is, uh, why don't you go ahead and explain what exactly Green Arcade is? You said you live a minute away. Like five five minutes away. Okay. Yeah. And what exactly is Green Arcade in the grand scheme of the Tekken scene in Korea? Well, mm, Green Arcade is they kind of established the the position as the dominant arcade. So I, I'm not sure exactly the reasons behind it, but every top player uh, kind of started going to Green Arcade after a while. There are some other arcades, especially if you look at the whole of Korea, but. In Seoul, there's, as far as I know, only one other arcade worth um, comparing it with. But which is uh, Jongin Arcade, okay. which I live like 15 minutes away from. <laughs> Man, that sounds so dope. <laughs> yeah. But um, what about Fantasia Arcade? Is that another arcade out there? It, it does a. There exists an arcade named Fantasia, uh-huh. um, but it's not the same. It's not the same Fantasia we we remember from the. Taken tag days. It's not the legendary Young Iksu Fantasia arcade. I see. Okay. Okay. So um, yeah, but that ar- arcade is uh, pretty good, and it's in a fun area as well. And when whenever I go there, I, I don't like the levers in that arcade, but I see uh, some top players there. Like uh, maybe you know Dasalgi. Uh, he's a player. I'm not sure. Mm. He's a he's a he was a student of Nin actually. Oh okay. And uh, yeah, he plays there quite often actually. Interesting. Um. For uh, I feel like I have to clarify some of these things. Um, first of all, when you say that this is like the dominant arcade, you're talking about just Tekken, right? It's not uh, from wh- the videos I've seen. It seems like it's just almost all Tekken. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, it's like ninety-five percent Tekken, ninety-nine pretty much. And uh, how many uh, machines do they have there? In not I don't I mean like Tekken games. Um, it's I think it's twenty. Back-to-back stations, so about 40, 40 arcade cabinets. Wow, that is amazing. That mm. is amazing. And they are all—they uh, all have uh, Korean sticks, right? Korean levers, as you put it. Right, <clears throat> but it should be mentioned that for some—I don't know—these the, sticks are like famous in Korea. Everyone thinks it's so easy to get used to them, and even when people come from abroad, like visiting, like Genius, for ex- example, he he thought. Well, he he did have some complaints, but he also thought that it was very very easy to get used to them. Well, I'm gonna have to totally disagree with you. First of all, Genius he plays on Korean sticks. Yeah, I know he does. Yeah, so he is not a good example. And personally, I have so much trouble using Korean sticks. Um, but I mean, uh, as far as uh, Nin told me, he said that they can easily switch them out for Japanese sticks. Is that correct? Yeah, that that shouldn't be a problem. I never thought about it, but uh, the mechanic works there. So uh, whenever they're like, 
you know, during a normal day, sticks break down all the time, buttons go flying, and he's <laughs> he's there in a minute, you know, replacing them. Man, that sounds like the the coolest place on on the planet to me. It's anyway, really fun, yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. Now, now go on. You were saying uh, that that you know how you got into the scene. Mm, well, of course, if you have played for ten years or more, the story is very long. It's kind of hard to sum it all up like in a few sentences. But um, yeah, I, I'm I'm like I, I I didn't see any reason to stay in Sweden, okay. so. I thought, yeah, I, I should just stay here. And I, I started making a lot of friends here. And, like, just generally my my social life was much richer here. Okay. I, I was just enjoying my life much more. So I'm I'm trying to stay here as long as possible, yeah. That's very good. That's what it's all about, man. you got to have fun. And uh, it just it seems like, you know, what's interesting about you is you're kind of known as the, the guy behind the camera, as you put it. Uh, all right. You recorded so much footage of just, like, incredible Tekken action. Don't you get tired of just holding that camera up? Don't you eventually think, like, why the fuck am I doing this? You know, you're not getting paid <laughs> for it. So, I mean, what's your motivation behind that? Well, I think it's uh, it's not just one motivation. It's several different things playing into factor. First of all, the getting tired thing. Uh, there's uh, another, there used to be another camera guy at Green and and he he was always like giving me compliments for being able to stand up, you know, because <laughs> he he could only do it for like maybe I don't know thirty minutes or something. Then he had to take a rest. So, but I can easily do it like seven eight hours if if necessary, you know. Jesus Christ, dude, that's ridiculous. That is yeah, I know, but it's I'm thinking it like this: like if I wasn't uploading it and someone else was, then I'd probably be watching the videos anyway. So. It's just the same thing, but I'm watching it in real life, you know. So the the time is is the same. That's it's not like I it's not like I watch my own videos afterwards, you know. Yeah, I I, I see what you're saying. It's just to me. But the st- the the stamina thing. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, it might partly be um, uh, the work I had before um, before coming here. I was working at a at a gas station, <laughs> and and during my work work days, I I yeah, I pretty much had to stand up like. Eight to twelve hours in a straight. So, and you know, when I go travel, I I just uh, go out and walk all day. Like, I, I my idea of fun is like taking the subway to the end station and then just uh, like in the morning and then walk back the whole day and come home late at night. You know. So. Well, I I imagine that it would take a weird guy to do what you do, and that is crazy, <laughs> dude. To me, that is ridiculous. My idea of fun is sitting down for twelve hours and not doing shit. Uh, but I mean, that is amazing, and it, it feels like it to me. It takes such a selfless kind of a attitude to do what you do because, you, like I said, you're not getting shit for it. You're just, you know, standing up in an arcade recording these matches. And and the funny thing is that the way the internet works really is that people just will be like, oh, you know, Maxi put up another video. Let me watch it, and that's it. And they don't understand. They don't appreciate that you do this for nothing. I mean, you stand there and record this shit for nothing, and, you know, it's a really big deal. Um, and I'm just talking about personally. You know, I mean, yeah. I come home, and you put up a new video, and I'm like, sweet, this is dope. And I'm just sitting here, you know, in my fucking underwear watching this dope-ass Tekken match. And you had to go through all that, so I feel like you don't get the credit you deserve. Um, uh, do yeah, you have- uh, I'd like to stop you there. It's like, um, I'd like to kind of reverse the concept. 
you're you're saying it's selfless, but um, when I feel like I'm I'm not uh, I'm losing my motivation, I I just I just think that I'm doing this for myself. I'm not doing this for anyone else. Like I, this is my hobby. I I think it's fun. I I think I would do it even if uh, like I would stand there and watch the videos anyway. So and um, <clears throat> how can I say like the the total amount of happiness for every person is maybe not a maybe not as high, but not that high. But if you if you count it all together, like if you lo look at all the views and like I mean I recently went to China and. I went to an, an arcade and like random people started pointing at me like, oh, LD Maxi. <laughs> it's, it's so weird. Like, uh, people start recognizing me, recognizing me, and I, I'm getting compliments all the time about it. Well, you certainly deserve them. Uh, you know, I, I don't give credit to a lot of people, and I'm pretty sure you know that by now, but you deserve all the <laughs> Yeah, I love your show, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. And what's funny is um, what you mentioned right now about when you lose motivation. And uh, what you do is you say, you know, I'm doing this for myself. I, I really, that really hits me at home because I feel that way all the time when it comes to the podcast. I think to myself, like, you know, who gives a shit? You know, this is a lot of work, and I'm sure a lot of people don't appreciate it. But you know what? You've got to do it for yourself, and that's exactly what I do as well. I feel like, you know, I, I would want to listen to my podcast if I wasn't doing it myself. So that is a very good – you may not think of it as advice – but I feel like that's good advice to all the people out there who may be trying to get something going in their community or maybe want to contribute to the Tekken scene in general. I totally think that that's good advice. Just do it for yourself. You know, you don't. Uh, even if no one really is showing appreciation right now, you never know. Maybe someday you're gonna go to China and some random Chinese dudes are gonna be like, "Yo, that's fucking LD Maxi, dude." So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's definitely a good message. I I, I like that. Um. Now moving on, I'm curious. Uh, what's what's up with you actually playing Tekken? Because you mentioned to me earlier that there are videos of you playing, but I haven't seen them. Uh, do you play much Tekken yourself? And these days, no, because I'm um, with my study situation and uh, just generally my friends coming and visit and stuff like that. Uh, I, I've gotten less and less time over to uh, to play. You know, um, I used to play more before, but. I don't know. I, I stopped playing uh, like hardcore or seriously uh, quite a long time ago. So it, now I play like as much as I can without having uh, like without start without getting tired of it. You know. Interesting. Um. Now, when you do play, what character do you play? Out of curiosity. Only Bob. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um. Now that that makes me kind of curious about what the Tekken scene is like in Sweden. I mean, that's obviously where you kind of fell in love with the game, right? Is there a lot of people playing out, out there? Mm, Tekken, uh, it's kind of weird. Like, to the to the veterans or the hardcore players, it kind of looks like everyone is disappearing, like like the scene is dying, you know, mm -hmm. as it is in many other countries. But uh, when I when I watch my, you know, the statistics for the YouTube videos, I can see I, I get quite a lot of views from Sweden. Much more than than I, I'd expect. E even though I'm from Sweden and I have friends there that that will tell other friends stuff like that, the the numbers are quite high actually. So I think a lot of people play at, uh, in their homes, you know, play online stuff like that. Yeah. Because you know Sweden is extremely sparsely populated, you know, scarcely scarcely populated. So it's hard for people to get together, you know, especially with the bad weather and all that stuff and. <laughs> With with the computer so close, so people people rather stay at home, you know. 
Um, now, that kind of reminds me, because uh, I'm sure, as you know by now, I'm totally into metal. What is the deal with Korea and all of the Tekken crashes having, like, metal, you know, death metal and, like, random metal songs and stuff? And are you into metal, personally? <laughs> That's a funny question. First of all, the, the choice of music. I don't know how they how they uh, select it. If it's like some kind of marketing uh, guru person, like figuring out it's the best for their audience, or or if it's just personal taste of the guy, uh, you know, choosing it. Maybe it might just be Nin, you know. No, it has to be metal or something like that. I don't. Know. <laughs> okay. And uh, I don't know if in the U if it's the same in the U.S. But in Sweden, there's a like a prejudice or rumor that every every guy from Chile, you know, my mom is from Chile. Okay. So that every guy from Chile either likes uh, heavy metal or or rock. <laughs> so so all my friends are like, "What do you like, heavy metal or rock?" <laughs> and I, I don't know. I'm the kind of guy that likes all kind of music as long as it's good. But but yeah, I, I do like metal. Okay, interesting. I feel like you're obligated to like metal because you're. From yeah, my duty. <laughs> That's crazy. Now uh, another topic that I'm really interested in is I'm kind of curious as to how the arcade culture is in Korea. Now, what I mean by that is, in America, um, I kind of grew up in arcades, and it was kind of like this this kind of unique type of place where, that I feel like uh, it has never been replicated anywhere else I've been, where it seems very hostile and negative on the surface, where people are insulting each other and, you know, just saying some of the most ruthless things to each other that you would not expect friends to say to each other, but underneath that surface, like, anger and hostility and competitiveness, there's this sense of camaraderie that, you know, in the, by the, you know at the end of the day, everyone is really good friends, and, you know, there's that camaraderie. And I want to know, is that how it is in Korea, or is it, is it a completely different type of culture? <clears throat> well, first of all, I've never been... Um, I've been to uh, American arcades, but not, not many times, so it's hard for me to compare. But from what you're telling me... I think it's different. Um, the arcade culture here, um, I think it's mostly the way Green Arcade is being run. It's being run by an, by an, um, um, like a, a woman in her mid, I don't know, mid fifties maybe, forties, fifties. So, and she has a like a lot of, how do you say, like, she's like a mother to to the people in Green Arcade. So she calls everyone her son, and they call her mother. Wow. No one knows her name. They just call her mom. <laughs> so, it's Green Arcade is kind of like a family, you know. So in a family, you'd see the kind of sibling ri rivalry, you know. Oh. So it, it's it's kind of like that, but it's not a lot of insults. And in other arcades, for instance, uh, viol violence is is um, not not common, but happens sometimes, you know. But that that never happens in Green Arcade. The the atmosphere is extremely good. Really? What when you say violence, uh what exactly do you mean? Do you mean like people fighting or people, you know, shooting or what do you mean by violence? I uh, know there's no guns here, man. <laughs> yeah, okay. No, there's it, plenty here. Yeah, I I know you keep them. <laughs> <laughs> no, so um no, the, it's fighting. Actually, I was kind of surprised like when I was in Japan, I, I you never see violence and you see people are extremely um, are really avoiding conflicts, you know. Here, um, people are, you, you kind of feel like these people are always looking for peace. They, they, um, they don't want to start things, but 
they at the same time they have a lot of uh, pressure on them. So, and uh, Korea has a big problem with alcoholism and just generally people drinking too much. So, like being having stayed here like four days or something, I was out walking and you you see people fighting on the street because they're drunk, you know. But they're so drunk it it it's like it's just comedy. It's not <laughs> they they can't even hit each other. They just fall down and hurt their ass. <laughs> That's so yeah, when when I say violence in arcades, it's uh, kids. Um, they start fighting. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Huh. Now, but it's it's not that common. It's not that common. But it it does happen. Now, see, the thing that really that makes me wonder is, to me, just growing up uh, in America in the arcade, uh, you know, community, it makes me feel like that um, kind of rivalry and that kind of uh, aggression on the surface that I was talking about is what produced our best players in the history of fighting games. I don't even mean just Tekken, but including Tekken, uh, it just, I feel like that um, anger and that, that, com uh, that um, you know, competitiveness between mm -hmm. players is what produced the highest uh, quality players. And now that the arcades in America are closing... I feel like the new generation of players who are not uh, used to that uh, aggressiveness and the insults and, you know, that stuff, I feel like they're not as good as far as skills go because of that. But it seems like in Korea you're saying everyone is very, like, you know, friendly and it's, it's like a family. So how the hell do you guys end up getting so fucking good over there? You guys are like Tekken gods. So, what, what is no, I'm not I'm not included in this group. Man. <laughs> I'm not Korean, but but okay. So uh, the important thing is that you're mentioning one source of uh, motivation or one source of uh, kind of like a trib attributing factor to uh, to people getting better. But there are others, and uh, especially having stayed here a while, uh, you start to understand how Korean culture plays into into um, their uh, getting better. You know. Why they put so much time and effort and energy in. And uh, basically, it, it's um, like a lot of the players, they have to hide from their uh, parents or, you know, even girlfriends that they're playing. You know, they, they'll say they go to, the, go to the library, but they'll go to the arcade. <laughs> so there's, um, there's kind of a theological thinking here. Like, everything has to have a purpose. So when people are playing Tekken, uh, if... If they think they can't um, become the best, then it's hard for them to really put their complete mind into it because uh, their family thinks it's just a waste of time, you know, and they start thinking it as well. Hmm. But for the people that are at the top and competing and they think, oh, I, I actually got a chance, you know, so it's kind of like they have, their, they have so much pressure on them to perform and uh, they, they need to do it, you know. And the, the mentality here is is uh, different than from other countries. I think I think everyone is kind of like waiting for Tekken to really take off, like um, economically speaking. So um, they they see the StarCraft players, how much money they make. So they're trying to be at the top at the time that Tekken goes into that phase when uh, when um, when it will pay a lot, and everyone is just hoping it will soon. Interesting. Wow, I, I never even thought of it that way. Um, but, um, I guess my response to that would be, uh, Tekken has been huge in Korea 
since Tekken Tag, uh, possibly earlier, but that's the earliest point that America has known about it. What was the motivation back then? I mean, you guys have always, uh, when I say you guys, I mean Koreans, have always um, been the best in the world, really. Um, what, is, what is up with that? I mean, how do you explain that? Uh, I explain that by uh, um, the arcade um, um, dynamics, like different arcades, was different back then. It wasn't only one arcade. With Green Arcade, the competitiveness kind of uh, went down. Uh, before that, as I told you, there's another arcade, Jongin. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, uh, during that time when Green Arcade and Jongin was equally active, there was a lot of rivalry and uh, I'd say more bad blood, you know? Really? Yeah, and uh, you have to remember that there are so many players here that it's very easy to start making clans and uh, kind of like groups of people. Like, if if you play at Green Arcade and you, you don't like someone... You, you never have to talk with him again, you know. But in smaller communities, you kind of have to live with each other. Yeah. So, uh, here you have clans, and they have clan battles. You know, they compete every, like, w- once a week or twice a week. They even have board battles. Like, their forum works uh, a bit differently. Like, everyone in the Yoshimitsu forum mm-hmm. will challenge everyone in the... Yulia forum, and then they'll, they'll have a Yoshimitsu versus Yulia, like 20 versus 20, like, and they do this like every Sunday or something, so there's a, it's easy to make uh, tournaments, it's easy to make kind of special events, and it just produces a lot of, uh, there's so many people watching, I mean, Tekken is huge in the way that it's very popular, but, but not, not financially, so everyone is playing, uh, you know, really trying, re- really trying to be good, yeah. Um, man, there's so many. When you when you talk about this stuff, it just brings up so many questions. I hope I don't forget them while you're speaking. But <laughs> write them down. <laughs> yeah, really, I should I should be writing this shit down. Um, now, one thing I want to ask is in the in a, on an average day in Green Arcade, uh, what type of uh, numbers do they bring up in terms of players? How many players will be there on, at the busiest point of an average weekday, for example? Well, it can it can vary a lot. Actually, Green Arcade is way too small it's uh, it's really kind of limiting how many players can come so what you see is like different waves of different kinds of people coming like if you if you go there 12 o'clock uh, right when they open or or yeah maybe one o'clock you see a lot of uh, people from school coming like either people skipping school or being there during a boring class or just during break or something so there's a lot of uh, young kids like in school uniforms playing and maybe one guy is like a lot better than the rest of them and he challenges one of the regulars that are is playing there like maybe maybe you see a regular like uh, i don't know she's someone ace or Nengmyun or someone like that and then you start playing like if you start playing at 12 o'clock it's kind of like i don't know like 10 people 20 people it's not it's quite quite you know it's not it's not that packed Huh. And then you start playing, and you, you start feeling like, wow, I'm pretty good at Tekken. Like, <laughs> I can do this. <laughs> then they, the, ter- the clock turns like 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock, and other, uh, people start dropping in. And if it's like a regular weekday, maybe it's not that many, like 30, 40 people. But if it's a, if it's a Friday, it could be like, I don't know, 70. And if it's like a Tekken Crash qualifier where you can barely get into the... It's so packed. It's like 
it takes like an hour to go from one end of the arcade to the other. Jesus Christ. That's like, uh, it's hard to count. I'd say maybe, maybe 100, 150, maybe, no, 120 maybe. Something like that. It's, it's just completely packed. That is so amazing to me. That is crazy. Um, and it's such a, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, there are, there are several, not even several, there are so many players in such a close vicinity to each other. Uh, that's the explanation to that, right? I mean, Seoul is not a very big city, right? Right, it's not big, but uh, you'd be surprised. Like, you ask some people, where do you live? Like, for instance, uh, you know, Hankuma, Prince? Yes. He, he doesn't live in Seoul. Really? Like, so, uh, even JDCR as well. So, those ca- those guys, people that live very far, like, some people go two hours to, to go to Green, you know? Wow. So... They may maybe they'll just come once or one once a week or twice a month or something like that. Huh. So some people you don't see that often, and other people you see, yeah, you see often. Okay, wow, that's crazy. Um, one of the other things I wanted to ask, I'm glad I didn't forget, is uh, I've actually been to Japan two times now, and one of the most interesting things that I've uh, kind of discovered by uh, talking to some of the Tekken players there is if you ask the best Tekken players that you meet in Japan who they think the best players in Japan are, they will say that the best players in Japan do not enter in tournaments. Um, and when I ask why, like why would you enter, uh, why would you play Tekken to that point and not enter in tournaments, they just say they're just not interested in tournament uh, Tekken gameplay. Is that how it is in Korea? I mean... Do no, no way. <laughs> yeah, no way. I wonder why that is. I mean, what is... Uh, it, it's like I said, it's a conflict avoiding, I think. Yeah. I think it, it, it kind of, it, it makes you nervous. It's not a pleasant feeling at first, but it, that's kind of like what you have to like to enter tournaments, right? Yeah, absolutely, of course. I, I just I, I just don't understand it, why, why people would do that in Japan. Uh, mm, yeah, but uh, the cultures are very different. It's I, I think um, Korea is... Much more uh, like a Western country than than uh, than Japan is. Japan really is a, an island, you know. But Korea, you you've had like a, a lot of influence from the states. Yeah. Like with the civil war and the, there's a lot of American guys living here and stuff like that. Yeah. I there, there's another there's another attitude to the foreign. They're more welcome to it. While in Japan, they're 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 polite, but they're scared of you and they'll always. You'll always be the foreigner, you know. Huh. I'm, I'm, you know, in Japan, you'll be called the gaijin, you know, foreigner. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know, ten times a day. Here, I've been over a year. No one has ever called me that. And I ask them why not, and they they say because it's so rude. Why would you want to do that? And it's that's so right. Wow. So they're just uh, very polite there. That's interesting that you say that. I mean. You know, in Japan, I felt like it was very hot and cold, but most of the time, people were very friendly, and, I mean, you know, a lot of people, because, you know, I don't look like the average guy, so a lot of people would stare at me a lot, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. in general, they were very friendly, but, yeah, they did throw around that gaijin shit, you know, uh, mm. you know it means, like, a uh, white guy, right? Uh, it's kind of like outside man. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. So you're, you're but, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to put them down or anything. I have a lot of Japanese friends, and, um, but I'm, I'm kind, of, quite open with it. And they, um, it's different. It's just a culture difference, I think. It's just, I, I think when you connect with people, with the average Japanese guy, he's just as friendly, but it's kind of harder to make that connection. It takes longer. 
Really? That's interesting. Um, yeah, that's kind of... I, I kind of see where you're coming from. I mean, obviously, I've never been to Korea, but... Uh, I mean, Japanese people are very friendly, and the, especially the... Uh, you know, that's... You know what's funny? I, I don't know if you know this, but... Other people who had gone to Japan from uh, America and from my uh, current location, Southern California, they have said that in Japan, people are not very friendly. You know, like in the arcade. If you walk into random joy box or whatever, people are not friendly with you. And they won't even play you sometimes if you're not at their rank or whatever. And when I went to Japan, everyone was so friendly to me that it was, like, preposterous. So I feel like my uh, kind of experiences in Japan are not accurate. So mm, I don't know. It, it all depends on who you meet, of course. Like some guys at Joybox are super friendly, and yeah. I'm, I made some really good friends in Japan the, the times I've been there. So, uh, but at the same time, the guys that I become really good friends with, they feel very different from the average Japanese guys, you know. <laughs> so, but here in Korea, I feel like the average is the average friendliness is just higher. Like I like I told you before, I think. I think Japanese guys. I, I mean, it's it's wrong to like talk the same about everyone, but I think just averagely, I think they are uh, very, very, very polite, but but not so friendly. And in Korea, people are extremely friendly, but not <laughs> really rude. Actually, <laughs> not polite at all. <laughs> That's very funny. I'm, I'm, you know, all, talking to you really makes me want to visit Korea. Actually, I'm, I'm. Yeah, you should come over. I'm, I'm definitely going to try to do that sometime in the near future. Uh, it sounds very cool, and every Korean player that I've met face to face has been, you know, really cool. Just in general, really cool. Even the ones that speak no English, like Mad Dog Jin, that douchebag, <laughs> speak any English. I always talk shit because he's been here for so many, you know, trips and such a long time. Doesn't even speak any English, but he's a really cool guy. And you know, all all of the the Korean players that come out here are just really cool. So. I'm going to definitely make a make a plan to get out there. Um, but another thing I wanted to talk about before we wrap things up is I'm curious about Tekken Crash. Now, we talk about it a lot here and we, you know, we watch it and all the Tekken fans out here watch it a lot. And I'm curious how exactly how big exactly is it in the grand scheme of things? I mean, I'm sure you've gone to watch it there. How hmm. big is it as far as a TV show there? Um, it's Hard to say. I, I never watch it on television because I don't have that channel, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, um, that kind of—it's hard to say. That kind of makes me think that maybe a lot of people can't watch it either. So maybe it's more for the online community because they rebroadcast it online, you know. Oh, okay. Um, it's hard to say. I, I don't know the exact viewer ratings, but just uh, like if you compare one episode of StarCraft with one episode of Tekken Crash. Uh -huh. They make much more viewer ratings, but on the other hand, there's taking crashes only once a week, you know. While StarCraft is on like 24/7, like all, all the time, you know. Wow. So, so, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure about the statistics, and I, I think they're doing quite well. But uh, still, like, you know, you can play StarCraft anywhere, but you can't play you can't play Taken anywhere. So it's much more people can't relate to it the same way. The more you talk about this stuff, the more like I I get interested in it, and the more questions pop up. Now, one thing I was just thinking about is, like, it seems like from when I talk to Holman and, and, you know, some of the other people that have come out here, it seems that um, it's becoming kind of bigger than it was before. It's not, like you said, it's not as big as StarCraft, of course, but 
Tekken is becoming, you know, the type of thing where it's an eSport now, and people are getting licenses. Am I correct? Mm, the sponsorship deals are still quite quite bad, actually. Uh, for instance, you'd easily think that Ni, Holman, and Tongvala makes money, but they they don't, and they are looking for sponsors. But it, it's kind of growing, but it's doing so at a slow pace. Like, um, it, there will be a, com- a completely different generation playing when when uh, Tekken is as big as StarCraft, if it ever if it ever becomes that big. But on the other hand, uh, StarCraft Two is really stirring the pot. Like, it's kind of changing the dynamics like the StarCraft 1 players they don't want to switch cuz they're already making money and and so it's kind of I don't know it's hard, hard to predict how how it'll, how it'll go actually wow man there's so much going on there that's really cool um another question i had is okay so we've got these Tekken players that are on TV and they're pretty famous among the Tekken you know community which is very big in Korea i presume now, how many chicks are these guys getting, dude? I mean, are they pulling the <laughs> chicks or what? I, I don't know, man. <laughs> I know, I know, Holman has a girlfriend already. No, no, no. I'm not I, talking I'm... about girlfriend. I'm talking about like randomly, like you know, walking around. Are the chicks gonna be running up to you if you're like a famous Tekken player? Mm, I I haven't seen that. No, but uh, I know that people do get recognized. They tell me that all of a sudden someone on the street is like, "Oh my God, Rain!" Like something like that, you know. So it's it's fun in that sense, but um, girls, I don't know, man. <laughs> I really don't know. I'm gonna have to find that out firsthand when I go to Korea. So uh, that that question is to be answered for our yeah. fans. I'll I'll figure that out myself. I'll do some field investigating uh, on the topic. <laughs> but uh, another question I had, which I, I guess I should have asked a little earlier, but why do you think uh, Tekken is specifically so popular in Korea? Rather than uh, Street Fighter or you know any other fighting games, why did they pick Tekken or maybe Virtual Fighter or whatever? Why Tekken? Well, um, every I think every game has been tested here. You know, like uh, uh, Korea is of course very known for their King of Fighter players as well. Mm-hmm. Like many wouldn't know it, but for instance, uh, Gura. Do you know Gura, the Lily player? Um, he's I'm... in the Three Witches team. Uh, he's oh, yeah, he's yeah, one yeah. of the top players. Yeah, he used to be like uh, one of the absolute best in Cough 2001. Really? Until um, until he decided to switch to Tekken. When whenever I ask people about this, they they say it's a uh, uh, they they think uh, Street Fighter is too easy. Really? Yeah, huh. that's what they. That's their words. They it's just oh, it's too simple. It's boring. That is so crazy because I don't know if you know in America Street Fighter 4 is just so popular. And the reason is that it is because it's easy. And uh, the reason Tekken is not popular, most people will say, Tekken is too complicated. There's too many characters, there's too many moves, it's too hard. So it's so weird, it just it gives you like an idea of how different the Korean culture is to where they would want something harder and more yeah. complicated. So that's really... I think it's kind of, it's kind of um, a timing issue as well, because when uh, arcades really started blooming here was during uh, the Tick and Tag era. Okay. So, and uh, as you know, that that game is very uh, execution-heavy, you know, yeah. with the Mishimas. Yeah. So I'm guessing, may, this is just a theory, but I'm guessing the people that started playing then, they kind of got the feeling that... Uh, that the game is supposed to be hard, you know. It's supposed to be uh, demanding on you. Ah, so I see. 
I'm guessing it, maybe it's the same gen- generation but older and I don't know, it's just been going on th- that same line. But yeah, I don't know really actually. So to, to clarify, you, your theory is that when um, fighting games began getting popular, it happened to be uh, during the Tekken Tag era. So the people who started playing fighting games assumed that this is how all fighting games should be. So yeah, or, or or more like because it would it was growing so fast, uh, it would have to be those people that like take and tag that kind of kept kept at it, you know, and uh, kind of I don't know, it kind of grew from from that generation, you know. Wow, that's that's man, this is so crazy. This is like blowing my mind, dude. It's this, it's the it's actually the same with StarCraft. It it was uh, at the same time they they kind of. Uh, finished the concept of a uh, uh, PC room, a PC bang, you know, a uh, internet cafe. Yeah. So at that time, they needed a game that everyone could play, you know. So the 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 game they had at that specific time was StarCraft, and that's why it just uh, completely got out of hand. Like people stopped going to work and uh, you know school and stopped <laughs> sleeping, and everyone was playing. Like you can ask any guy here, like. Any any male on the street, uh, who does he play in StarCraft? And he'll like start talking with enthusiasm. <laughs> Everyone's everyone plays StarCraft. That is crazy, dude. That is so weird. I I just I don't understand it. I mean, uh, you know, I don't know if you know, but I personally do not like playing internet games over the internet at all. You know, I like mm-hmm. I'm a social person and I like uh, the social aspect of fighting games, but. And it's so weird, just the way the culture is there. It's so peculiar. Um, but it's kind of it's kind of a social experience to play StarCraft as well, because people go to the internet rooms, the PC ba- the, yeah, 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 the internet the PC So they go they go there after school, like with all their friends, and everyone is sitting there together, like eight people, you know, playing. Maybe not in the same game, but still. <laughs> yeah. Man, that's crazy. Um, now one of the last things I wanted to ask you about is. Uh, what what future plans you have? I know you have the new Gosu Tekken show that you're going to come out with weekly. So what are some of the future plans you're going to have with your YouTube channel that uh, you know everyone out there is such a big fan of? Mm, I don't I don't have anything like uh, concrete like that uh, that I'm still working for. I'm, I'm just trying to improve it all the time, like at a at a comfortable pace, you know. Yeah. So I I um, most of the work actually is based on. Minimizing the time I work on the vids, you know, uh-huh. like uh, uh, f- doing it more effective so I can upload more vids uh-huh. in the same amount of time, you know. Yeah. So it's a lot of a lot of time goes into playing around with the encoding and uh, just generally working with the videos, you know. Um, and so, correct me if I'm wrong. You're planning on releasing a new episode every Wednesday. Uh, yeah, every Wednesday, 8 p.m. PST. Okay. Wow, that's really cool, man. I'm looking forward to it and. Uh, so that people know, uh, what are your plans as far as commentary is going uh, is concerned? Well, the the way the show works now, uh, it's a kind of open house. Like, if someone wants to do it, and I don't think the person is like a complete retard or something, then they're, w- they're welcome to uh, to give it a shot. You know. <laughs> oh man, that is too good, dude. I like the I like your stance, dude. I like your attitude. Um, I'm I'm very much looking forward to uh, just seeing the the future of your YouTube channel and just speaking to you again, man. But before you go, there's a rule: uh, you gotta call someone out. You gotta call someone a bitch. It's the rule. Mm-hmm. And I was criticized 
for not asking Harada to call someone. That was exactly what, what I was gonna say. I was gonna say based on based on what you answered to this question, I might call you a bitch. Oh, because <laughs> oh. why did uh, Harada and Michael Murray get away with it? And okay. that new guy. This is then the new guy. This is the truth. The honest to god truth to all the fans out there is I was really nervous during that interview. I was shitting my pants. I maybe I sounded cool, but I was very nervous. And to be honest with everyone, I fucking forgot. I had all really? the questions I was going to ask him and That's written down. A lame excuse, man. I don't know if I'm buying into it's that. It's a fact. It's a fact. I forgot. I mean, you know, I would have asked him to, but afterwards I was like, shit, dude, I totally forgot and Hey, dude, believe it or not, even I make mistakes. So I apologize, <laughs> and that, don't even think about using that as an excuse to not call. No, no, no. no. I, have, I have two people I want to well, call. You can call as many people as you want. So go ahead. You have the floor. Okay, uh, I'm not sure about the order, though. But <laughs> first, there's a guy in Sweden. Okay. <clears throat> this man, man. Oh, he, he just makes my life so hard. Like, always, uh, always, uh... Like, we're always fighting and stuff. Man. Okay. And uh, he, he's kind of known as my arch nemesis. So everyone ex- expects me to to uh, trash talk this guy online. Man. Okay. And he, he knows who he is. He, his name is Daniel Heidlom. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> is, that, is that Swedish? No, it's, uh, Daniel is his name. Heidlom is his nickname. Oh, okay, okay. But let, let's just say he really deserves it. And everyone else thinks so as uh, think so as well. Okay, well, you heard it. That guy's a bitch. And who's your second yeah, guy? Bitch. My second guy, well, you know him, man. It's it's Bronson. <laughs> feel free. I feel like you can go ahead, call him a bitch, please. Man, I I had um I had written like a a little speech to uh-huh. to to read, but uh, he, he actually really helped me out yesterday. So I don't know. I'm thinking about not. I'm thinking hey, about taking it back. I have to call you a bitch if you don't call him a bitch. Go uh, ahead. I, I call him a bitch, but fuck that guy, dude. <laughs> yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, is there anyone else you want to call a bitch? Mm, no. I think nah, I'm fine. I, I think that's the record. You just called me that dude <laughs> from Sweden and Bronson a bitch. That's very impressive. You've set a record, so I might have to put a limit on this. Uh, limit of three bitch. Get out of hand next time. So yeah, I know. <laughs> People are going to start trying to beat your uh, record, but... Man, let me tell you, honestly, I'm going to tell you straight up, totally legit. Uh, personally, from my perspective, this was the most interesting uh, interview I've had on the podcast, and I'm very, very pleased that you came on. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, what you do for the community is a really big deal, and uh, I know you don't get a, a, enough credit for it, but uh, keep doing what you're doing, and I, I very much appreciate it. And thank you again for coming on the podcast, man. Yeah, thank you very much for inviting me. And don't worry, I'll, I'll keep doing it as long as I can. Thank you, man. I know you're a very busy guy, but it's, it's very much appreciated, dude. And thanks again for coming on. Thank you. See you later, man. All right, everybody. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, keep, uh, keep your eyes on avoidingthepuddle.com. We're going to keep bringing you uh, interviews like this and podcasts and all kinds of other shit like that. So we'll catch you guys next time. It's like we're